WLANG, Sag Harbor, Long Island, New York, 41 degrees out there. A little bit better than yesterday, but that breeze keeping things cool right now, coming through at about 29 miles per hour. want to change gears a little bit and uh, welcome on into the program Dr. An Chen, the Director of Coronary Care Unit and Director of Outpatient Cardiology Services at Stony Brook Heart Institute. Dr. Chen, thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon. It's great to be here. Yeah, we, uh, we were thinking about this earlier in the week. We got hit with that cold snap and the ice and the uh, snow and all that got us thinking. Uh, we hear about this every year. These uh, winter activities, people get out there and shovel the snow can cause an uptick in blood pressure and heart rate, putting stress on the heart, placing uh, one at risk for a heart attack. And it, uh, it happens every year. We hear these stories. And, uh, and I guess it's a question. Well, I guess that'd be the question for you. Is it uh, more dangerous when it's cold outside to be doing this? Or are we just out of shape come wintertime? Oh, yeah, we, we are concerned about seeing that increase in heart attacks during this time, and it is related to being outside when it's really, really cold. It's really that combination, as you said, of, of having um, an increase in demand when you're exercising. And it, and it turns out that uh, shoveling snow is a pretty uh, demanding uh, uh, activity. Um, and the combination of the cold air that causes the arteries to constrict and narrow down um, it leads to uh, reducing supply to the heart muscle. And I think that the combination of those two things leads to uh, uh, maybe that uh, bad recipe of uh, seeing those, those heart attacks happen. Right. Well, you say the colder air, it's uh, denser oxygen, so it seems like your, your body's getting more oxygen in, but I guess the problem is the coldness of it, right? It's, uh, it's uh, kind of, kind of uh, uh, forcing your body to go into uh, emergency settings. Sure thing. And, and the truth is that that shoveling is um, you know, we underestimate the amount of, uh, of work we do. You, you think it's just a little bit, and you really want to finish it, and you, you never take the break. And, um, and uh, on top of that, that snow is really heavy. Um, and it turns out <laughs> when you start shoveling, you realize how heavy every load is. Uh, and yeah. uh, uh, it, it really is a big demand on the heart, so... It also seems like there are ways to do it smartly, too. Like you said, if we don't rush and try to push and get it all done, or if we kind of stretch it out a little bit, maybe go in, take a break, and go out and do it again, maybe it's a little bit better than putting all that stress on at once and trying to complete the job and pushing our bodies in this weather. That's true. And, and maybe more importantly, if you are, if you know that you're at risk or you have heart disease already, or it may be smarter to ask someone else to do it for you. It's not a good situation to do this when you have heart disease. Right. Well, that's one of the uh, obvious ones if you have the risk of a uh, heart disease. But so what are, what are, what are some of the uh, other risk factors that would go into uh, yeah. uh, doing something like that in the wintertime? So, you know, patients who have other comorbidities or, or risk factors for heart disease who can develop blocked arteries, be it, you know, in the heart or other areas, that patients with diabetes, high cholesterol, um, high blood pressure, you really want to see a doctor. We have doctors that can help you manage all this. Um, and you want your, your risk factors or your risk, your, your medical illnesses really controlled when it comes to these times where there is more strain. It's true for the heat, it's true for extreme colds like you're talking about. Um, you know, in, in our hospital, we opened a cholesterol clinic. It's a place where patients with very high cholesterol and risk factors come in and get a thorough workup. You call 631-44-HEART and you know, we can help get your risk factors under control so you're safer during this time. Okay, so if you have a, a high, have an issue of high cholesterol, maybe taking medication for that, you are at risk, a higher risk for a heart attack, even if you don't, you haven't been diagnosed with a heart disease, correct? That's exactly right. When you have these comorbidities, you have these illnesses, you're at a higher risk of having a heart attack. 
and it could be precipitated when you're putting that strain on and in uh, an extreme weather in the combination of, uh, of exercise and um. yeah. Well, we're talking about the cold weather and how it affects you. And uh, does it help if you dress in warmer, uh, warmer clothes? Obviously, to, to stay warmer is the problem. The cold coming in that you're breathing in, and no matter how much clothes you put on the outside, you're still going to be breathing in that cold air. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, the general recommendation is to have um, a a first layer that um, is usually synthetic, then have a loose layer over that to trap some air. Um, that trapped hot air keeps the heat in um, and um, to avoid those tighter clothes. Um, and on that, a coat that's both, both I guess, wind and, and water resistant um, would be perfect. Right, right. And I would assume a lot of these uh, recommendations and ideas also go for people that choose to exercise in this type of weather, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that it's, when it's really, really extreme, it's not a good idea for anybody. If you know that you're at risk, maybe exercising in-house is better. Um, if you are doing any kind of strenuous activity and you feel that you're overheating, you feel that you're starting to sweat, open that jacket or take off the layer. Let it, you know, you don't want to sweat and then have to cool down and, and get, you know, and be exposed to, in that setting, to a very cold um, weather. Or, um, you know, just being... Um, in, in a wet environment with wet clothes increases the risk of having hypothermia you know, and things like that. Okay, well, the hypothermia, that's, that's going to be, uh, obviously, it's going to be slightly different than a, uh, than a heart issue, but um, is there a danger, uh, even if you are dressed warm, you're, you're still breathing in that air and still constricting everything inside of you, right, the airways and whatnot? Yeah, you know, I think that if you manage to hypothermia is that extreme situation where the body temperature really would drop below 95 and your body cannot produce the heat to, to you know, um, to make up for what it's losing. Um, breathing in the air, um, you know, if you do have a face mask or a scarf, it usually solves the problem. Having said that, if your body is producing enough um, heat, um, you may you may be okay, but if you have little reserve and you have lung or heart disease, then you're at much greater risk from that situation. So if you know that, um, you, you probably want to cover your, your face with a mask or, or really a scarf on. Yeah, I know. It's funny. We've been for two years. We've all been complaining about having to wear masks, but they actually help when it's cold out. <laughs> actually, help keep your face a little warmer, <laughs> right? Absolutely true. Now, are, are there any uh, dietary things we can do to try to, uh, to try to prepare ourselves? You know, we see the cold weather coming, knowing either we're a person that works outside, we plan on exercising outside, or unfortunately, we were the ones doing the shoveling. Is there anything we can do be- beforehand, uh, um, dietary, nutrition-wise? Yeah. It turns out that we turn, tend to exercise less and eat uh, worse um, and gain weight during the winter. And so I think that just keeping the common sense and a healthy diet is the key. I personally don't believe in those extreme diets, you know, uh, no fat diets or no carb diets. They're good fats and they're good carbs. All our vegetables and fruits are, are good carbs. The fibers that we need uh, comes from, uh, from carbs. Uh, they're good fats, tree nuts, olive oil, avocados. So there are fats we need to have. Uh, fish, try to replace the fatty red meat. Try to remove the fried food out. Um, and, and keep, again, the fresh vegetable and fruit in. I think those are the key things. Um, you know, common sense when it's cold, uh, hot beverages and, and, and hydration still a key. Um, 
So keeping hydrated, even in the cold weather, is actually important. That's it. People don't realize you can, uh, like you were saying earlier, you're going to be sweating under all that clothes, and uh, dehydration can be a serious issue. Absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned earlier, if you find yourself getting very hot, uh, that's sort of a, a warning sign. But what are some of the other uh, warning signs to look out for for uh, heart trouble if you're out there doing it and you're saying, I, I, f- I feel a little bit strange. Is that enough? Just I feel a little bit off, a little bit different? So, specifically for the cold, two things can happen. Um, you know, one is that you're, you're overheating in, in a work, uh, in kind of a exercise, and, and we talked about that. and. Uh, and that imbalance between the demands of the heart and the supply in the cold environment. When it's extremely cold, when we're talking about nearing those um, uh, hypothermia where the heart slows down and you're really, the, the, you know, you're starting to talk about um, damage to the brain and to the flow of, of you know, organs, and that is an extreme situation. When you recognize that, when you're really, really cold to touch, when you're starting to slow down, you can't speak right, you get confused, and that's when the heart is affected, when, you know, your heart is really, really slow and you're in danger from that standpoint. Um, So that's one. Um, I think that specifically um, in the winter when you're exercising, um, the heart is just at higher risk because that imbalance that we spoke about. So those are the two main situations where we're concerned about the heart. Usually it's chest pain, not just feeling funny. It's really severe shortness of breath. Those are the things that we're concerned about as signs of heart disease acting up. All right. I would think it feels uh, somewhat normal to be a little short of breath if you're outside working in really cold uh, weather, so it's kind of tough to tell. But you should also know what I don't normally feel this way when I'm, I'm, when I'm working out in the, uh, in the cold weather. This is a little bit of a different feel. And you were saying earlier you have... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It should go away when, it's, when you're resting. Right, right, right. If you're, if, if you're resting and you're still feeling that going on, that's definitely a uh, warning sign. Um, do, you, are, do you see an uptick this time of year, or are a lot of people, you think, pretty much aware of it at this point to take it easy in the snow and the uh, uh, cold temperatures? Yeah, we see that every year during this time. We see an increase in patients who are showing acutely um, uh, with heart attacks. Absolutely seeing that. Okay, in the uh, in your general uh, practice, there you're seeing a uh, big uh, any 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 changes due to uh, the way that people were handling their health during the uh, during the pandemic. Uh, maybe maybe not going to the uh, doctors often, maybe not going to the specialists, feeling nervous about going into a uh, an, an office where other people may be in there. Do you see any changes like that? Yeah, it's been a challenge for on many levels. Um, I think that one thing is that they're not showing up to follow-ups as much, they're not getting their checkups as much, the blood tests are not being done as frequently, uh, we don't get the results of the blood pressures and so on um, and so that is one challenge the other challenge is that there's a little bit of uh, uh, neglect in, in you know, how we take care of ourselves, a lot of people report they've uh, gained weight they stop exercising, they're at home they tend to eat more, they tend to eat a little worse and so that increases the risk of the blood pressure and the cholesterol going higher and that inactivity in general, that sedentary kind of uh, lifestyle compared to what we were, more active, walking around, camping our steps. Um, and so the risk has been increased. So overall, it's been a challenge. And with a lot of COVID on top, COVID itself has been increasing the heart attacks you're seeing and the types of heart attacks you're seeing. So it's been a challenge. So you've probably, uh, you've, you've probably gotten busier over there in the last couple of years. Um, we, we have been busy. Um, in, in different ways. Our work right. kind of changed a little bit, yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, with all the, uh, I would think that at this point now people are starting to feel a little more comfortable. Obviously, we got this Omicron wave kind of washing over the population right now, but uh, in the months leading up to now, people were starting to get more and more comfortable going out and doing these normal, uh, normal sort of things, you know, and uh, working out a little bit more, going to their doctor's office. So hopefully that is getting better. But I would think that now is like, now is when you're actually starting to see these things manifest. People who have neglected their heart issues for the last couple of years starting to come in now and be like, geez, I really should have been here sooner. But anyway, what can we do now? Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. And uh, as I said, the doctors to help you take care of that and you should not start to neglect because... Um, we sometimes don't feel the symptoms of blood pressure or cholesterol or sugar. Uh, we just don't know that they're not okay. And we leave it long enough, and then we suffer the consequences of not managing this on time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you guys over there at the uh, the coronary care unit and uh, uh, all the cardiology services at the Stony Brook Heart Institute are taking all the precautions so people do feel safe as far as uh, uh, they can go in there and get their uh, medical uh, condition taken care of and, and not feel really concerned about uh, coronavirus and, and got all those safety uh, pr- uh, protocols still in place, correct? Our team has been extremely cautious and dedicated to making sure that we're doing this right. Um, you know, that when it's really bad, we kind of held back on doing elective things that can be um, avoided so we don't expose you when really things are, are, are the COVID is busy in the hospital. Um, having said that, when we started opening things back again, um, the frequency of COVID tests, um, ensuring that they're within a time frame, um, the, the way in the, uh, the, the, you're handled in the room, the way the rooms are cleaned, um, the equipment that we use for ourselves to protect you, to protect the staff, um, uh, it, it is all very, very strict and everybody follows this. And I think we did a great job in that part, being able to still maintain our services, which are really important, especially when you're having a lot of acute heart disease. Um, and so I think the Stony Brook did a really great job um, specifically about what you just talked about. Yeah, it was really at, uh, unfortunately, really at ground zero out here when it, uh, when it, when it, when it, when it struck two years ago that, uh, everybody, uh, really the, the local East End hospitals really got hit really hard and actually became models for a lot of other places, I believe, in the way they handled it so well. So definitely, um, doing a, a great job over there and, uh, weathered the storm so far so good. Um, yeah, we do hear, we, we did hear a lot about the lung damage, obviously, from, uh, COVID being a respiratory, uh, ailment, but, uh, you, you're saying that there's a lot of heart damage that goes around with it too, huh? There is a lot, and it's very various. You know, some patients, well, we've seen it all, and I tell you, I, I, I've seen things I did not expect to see. I had young patients who I thought it's just an inflammation around the heart, a myocarditis induced by COVID, and it was a clot formed and blocked arteries. I saw patients like with sure it's myocarditis and turned out uh, to be a, a real heart attack in the opposite way. I thought that they're a sure heart attack and I brought them to the cath lab, did the coronary catheterization, found normal artery and it was all COVID related. And so mm-hmm. we've been seeing all types of manifestations on the heart. Wow, that's, uh, that's terrible. Uh, you gave a number earlier and I want to make sure I got that right. That was a 631, was that 44 heart? That's correct. Okay, and what is that the number for? That's the number to the Heart Institute um, at Stony Brook University Hospital. Um, and they could direct you, uh, whether it's to our offices out east um, or to our subspecialties um, at Stony Brook on campus. 
Um, so if you need just a heart doctor, you need a management of your blood pressure, your cholesterol, you have history of heart disease, you're concerned. If you wanted to reach our cholesterol or lipid center, just call 44 Heart and ask to be seen in the cholesterol center to be seen by me. All right. Well, Dr. Chen, I, I really appreciate you spending a little time with our listeners today, uh, Director of Coronary uh, Care Unit and Director of Outpatient Cardiology Services at Stony Brook Heart Institute. I know you're a very busy doctor. We, like I said, we do appreciate it. And thank you for helping get it and get that information out. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thank you. That, is, that again is uh, Dr. An Chen over there at uh, Stony Brook Southampton uh, Hospital, part of the Stony Brook Heart Institute. And again, that phone number, if you want to uh, contact the offices over there, maybe set up an appointment, uh, have a discussion, the way to do it, 631-44-HEART is the number to call. And now we're going to uh, switch gears a little bit more. We've got uh, another interview coming right up here. We've got, uh, uh, we've got, who do we have here? We have Albert O'Connell. Now, Albert, you used to be on the air with us quite a bit. You used to be a familiar voice here on the radio station. That's correct. Yeah, it's good to, good to hear you back on the air. Of course, you're a licensed clinical social worker, a certified hypnotist, NLP practitioner, and addiction specialist. I know you used to do a lot of uh, work with smoking cessation when you were on the air with us before. Do you still do that? Uh, yes, that's still a very popular uh, and successful program, and it's very much like turning off a switch. It's a uh, very good success rate. Yeah, it can really change one's life. That's for darn sure. If you can quit smoking, everything, uh, it really makes a giant difference. Now, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, what you have going on with your uh, Transformation Tuesdays program. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that kind of evolved from when the uh, COVID uh, coming up on two years now. Uh, I remember my last program was the first week in March, uh, right before right before the everything got shut down. And uh, I was doing monthly programs at the uh, Stony Brook Southampton Hospital on uh, smoking cessation, uh, weight loss, and then we had a meditation class that we were uh, kind of developing. And when that got derailed, of course, with COVID, along with so many other things, uh, Patty and I, the receptionist over at the Wellness Institute, and uh, we discussed uh, some alternatives. and. We were getting used to using some of the Zoom and uh, other uh, techniques to do virtual. And we, just as an experiment, uh, we're doing once a month on a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every month. We call it the Transformation Tuesday. And each week we have, each session we have a different topic. Uh, we would practice a uh, hypnosis component there and a question and answer. Then the programs evolved into one more session in the month. We do the first and third Tuesdays of every month from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. And uh, that's able to link on through uh, Patty at the Wellness Institute. And we are uh, moving along with that. And uh, about a year and a half later, uh, it's... uh, proven to be very uh, welcomed by uh, many people. Maybe could you give us a little bit of a, a little bit of brief uh, idea of what exactly a hypnotherapy is. I don't think a lot of people properly understand that. Well, hypnotherapy is basically focused attention with heightened suggestibility. All right. Now, as far as licensing and credentialing goes, uh, it's not a very regulated uh, 
area. I'm a member of the National Guild of Hypnotists. Uh, they provide uh, training and uh, seminars, workshops, and things like that, uh, and certifications. Uh, there's no state licensing for that, so it's best to do your homework uh, in seeking a practitioner. Uh, I am also, as, I, as you said, a licensed clinical social worker, okay, and that is a state license in, in mental health. And I am also uh, an addiction specialist, uh, credentialed to the state. Uh, and I use the hypnotherapy as a adjunct to the uh, more traditional therapies that um, I was more formally trained in, uh, in uh, education and training and experience. Okay, so the hypnotherapy almost is like a tool to uh, that you use with the rest of your social work and uh, addiction work. The uh, hypnotherapy is just another tool in the box for that. Exactly. Uh, it's uh, it sounds uh, almost like a guided meditation of sorts. Is that correct? Like uh, guided meditation, creative visualization, uh, okay. mindfulness, mindfulness meditation. Uh, these are they're they're basically all cut from the same cloth. Okay. Uh, you know, the differences far outweigh the, uh, uh, the similarities, excuse me, far outweigh the differences in, in all the aforementioned. Okay. Um, well, give us an example of what happens at one of the uh, uh, Transformation Tuesday meetings. I know you had one uh, just last week. Um, just last week, we were just obviously uh, focusing on, you know, the new year, the new beginning, uh, getting grounded, uh, you know, setting some goals and objectives being realistic uh, and just focusing on, uh, you know, that, that process of, of change, uh, you know, changing one, you know, a couple of, you know, attitudes, beliefs and behaviors and, you know, moving in a better direction, a better version for uh, individuals. Yeah. Looks like you're, uh, I'm reading one thing that you have here. Participants are going to develop immediate and practical skills to think, live, and be more positive now. And I guess the idea is how that positive thinking, that positive internal feeling, which is tough this time of year when we have such little daylight, that positive feeling can uh, really uh, uh, manifest in you and, and kind of bring out other things and kind of change your whole way of looking at the world and going through life, right? It, it really can. I don't think we can have a discussion on positive thinking without... Uh, giving credit and referencing uh, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, uh, the power of positive thinking. I mean, really one of the pioneers uh, you know, in the modern uh, field of uh, that uh, genre. And um, it, it really has a lot to do with, uh, you know, being in the moment, you know, focusing on uh, positive thoughts. One of the exercises that we've done uh, recently, and, and one of the Transformation Tuesdays, is to uh, challenge people to every day write three things that they're grateful for, mm. okay, and do that for 30 days, uh, and I can assure you, uh, but people that would uh, you know, follow that at the end of the 30 days, they would be amazed at uh, the difference and shift in mindset and attitude and motivation and uh, uh, stress levels. I mean, we could all you know, benefit on uh, reducing stress and all of that as well. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's really not a big ask. You know, anybody can do that. That's not a, that's not a really pushing you too far. Just uh, once a day, just sit down for a few minutes and write three things that you're grateful for, and then at the end of the month, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I wonder. Uh, uh, that's uh, I was kind of wondering how some of these programs would work through Zoom, but I can see how something like that, an, an assignment, if you will, like that, will have the ramifications once the once the Zoom meeting ends. The people are going to go down there for the next few weeks and kind of work on these projects and uh, and uh, see how it helps. Uh, this has really been a test few years for uh, positive thinking and uh, I know we hear the stories a lot of depression out of there and it's it's been, it's been a dark few years it's uh, really been uh, been a test for those of you in the uh, in the business of trying to uh, keep people out of depression and trying to think positive hasn't it yeah I mean it's almost like a snapshot of the other the uh, the Catherine Kubler Ross the stages of uh, of grief right we've all been uh, yeah grieving the old you know the loss of uh, the old and uh, trying to accept this uh, new normal or whatever whatever we're um, uh, la- labeling it, and of course, right, the first uh, uh, stage of that is uh, you know denial, right? It's mm-hmm. like well, you know, it's it's a um, part of the defense mechanism that you know kind of protects the ego, the self. Yeah, it's uh, just, yeah, it's just a flu. <laughs> just yeah, an right, and uh, it's, you know, this is not happening, right? Just, uh, just the disbelief, and then the anger, <laughs> and the anger, the acceptance, the bargaining, and then and then getting up uh, to acceptance. And you know, with, with, the, with that series, they're not set in a. It's not necessarily going through, uh, you know, one through five in any particular order. They can kind of st- skip around emotionally and psychologically, um, you know, you know with, with with the individual. And that's one of the reasons that it's uh, beneficial to develop some good uh, practices and skills yeah. uh, to off- offset that and to regroup, to reground, refocus and move forward. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people have all those skills, and I think during this uh, pandemic, people have unfortunately uh, turned to a, a bit too much substance abuse. Have you been seeing that in your practice? Well, I mean, just look at the uh, some of the information coming back. It was kind of interesting that uh, you know uh, liquor stores were uh, deemed uh, part of essential uh, component there, and the uh, liquor sales have, have uh, skyrocketed. Uh, I mean, you know, just double, double, triple digit uh, uh, increase over the past um, uh, year and a half, and. Uh, you know, a lot of, there, there's been a lot of uh, you know slipping and sliding, uh, you know, backwards with uh, some previous uh, uh, attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, habits, addictions, whatever you want to call them. And uh, you know, now, now, you know, now more than ever, it's time to be a little bit more, uh, you know, self-aware, uh, accepting where, wherever people are at right this point, uh, right here, right now, on. Uh, January 12th, I mean, just to, you know, accept it, that's the first most important thing from, you know, moving forward, we have to accept what we have now, and then to have a very clear uh, picture of where where we want to go, all right? Uh, I want to just, uh, ref- just go back a couple of uh, steps here, we were saying that, you know, people don't have the skill, people inherently do have the skills they need to do they simply don't need they, they simply don't know 
they, they, they know it, okay? What I do as a hypnotist, I am not really hypnotizing anyone. I am helping that individual to establish that hypnotic trance for themselves, for their own experience, right? I mean, we can reference back to, um, you know, like the, the uh, it was a great uh, lyric from a song, America, uh, referencing the uh, Wizard of Oz, and I think the lyric was something to the effect that Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't already have. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that that is so true, right? I mean, all along, you know, the uh, the you know, you know the the, uh, the the Tin Man did have a heart. The lion did have incredible courage, and the and the scarecrow had a uh, uh, incredible brain. And you know, Dorothy and Toto always had the ability to go home, uh, you know, when, whenever they wanted. And the, what the wizard did was just heighten that awareness of the skills that they had within themselves. That's right. We all have those three things to be grateful for already. It's just you're just trying to tell people, no, uh, you you have those. They're already inside. You already have those things that you're grateful for. Just, uh, yeah, just, and, just well, all just of these things should be done you know, uh, fearlessly, not fearfully, okay? So if somebody's sitting with pen to paper, I recommend that pen to paper, going old school because there's direct connection. Uh, the, the hands are the most direct connection connection to the subconscious and that's the part of uh, us that really uh, drives behavior uh, the, the, the conscious mind we call uh, the critical faculty okay so we make statements to the uh, make statements consciously to be uh, sent down to the subconscious like for example you know today I'm not going to smoke cigarettes okay well, the subconscious has an emotional maturity about the, uh, the age of a 10-year-old. So not to be defiant or anything else, but they cannot process a negative. It's, an, it's, it's just a developmental stage that has not been reached yet. And the subconscious is always at that stage. So when we, we say to ourselves, I am not going to smoke a cigarette today, the subconscious wants to be the obedient servant to the conscious mind. And it will simply just kick out that word, not, okay? And with the statement that the subconscious hears is, you know, rather than I'm not going to smoke a cigarette today, the, the statement is, I'm going to smoke a cigarette today. <laughs> so the subconscious goes, okay, got it. And it kicks in with attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to match that statement. The subconscious will you know, never be made out to be um, a liar. And that also serves as far as the uh, you know, self-image, right? People that have maybe put on some, you know, extra weight, you know, on a, on a subconscious level, you know, they've, they've accepted that on a self-image level. When they think of themselves, they think of themselves, you know, uh, with that excess weight. And therefore, again, the subconscious will kick in attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to match that image. So by changing the image that's harbored deep within subconscious, to a uh, more fit, trim, you know, version of themselves uh, in a very simplistic way uh, that will, you know, impact uh, very favorably on, you know, working towards the, uh, you know, goals of being more fit, more trim, you know, healthier and such. Oh, 
amazing. We have such grand battles going on inside of our own heads. We try to <laughs> battle ourselves. Uh, Albert, I really think a lot of what you're saying and of uh, what you do can help out a lot of people. I think we're at a good place right now in that uh, we're at the beginning of a new year. Uh, we were, we're turning a page, a new year, and uh, I think we're turning a page, hopefully, on this pandemic, and we can kind of work ourselves up to a, uh, bring ourselves up a little bit, and I think uh, what you do can help a lot of people. How can they get in touch with you, Albert? Uh, well, my website, uh, it's an easy website to remember. It's called The Hamptons Method. That should be easy enough for everybody, right? Sure. And also uh, on that website is uh, my contact information. There's also a spot in the back to download uh, a streaming program. I think the program on the website that I'm uh, making available for download now is uh, a new year, a new beginning, or okay. something to that effect. Okay. And you've got the uh, the Zoom workshop that's uh, open to the public by Stony Brook Southampton Hospital, and that's your uh, Transformation Tuesdays, and that's once a month? That's actually the first and third Tuesdays of every month. Okay. 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. So you've got one coming up uh, next week then, I guess, as well. That is correct. And uh, you can register for that by uh, calling 631-726-8800. Albert O'Connell, thank you for spending a little time with us this afternoon. Good speaking with you. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. All right. Thank you. Have a, have a great new year. You too. Okay, and, thank, and thank you. all listeners. Thank you. Okay. That's Albert O'Connell again. And uh, if you want to be a part of the uh, Transformation Tuesdays program, it's a Zoom program, so you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can register by calling 631-726-8800, being put on by Stony Brook Southampton Hospital. And the next session is coming up uh, Tuesday, uh, January 18th, next Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. Tuesday.